0: welcome to fish talk and hunt radio with john Henneken, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't
1: even imagine This is John Hennigan, and yeah, we're going to take you around and show you some things. Uh, Well, the audio will show you some things. But we, of course, have Frank Selby, our perennial co host, uh, on the air with us. Frank is always such a pleasure. Frank is uh, quite an avid fly angler, but he doesn't mind picking up a different kind of rod once in a while if the uh, situation uh, demands that. And Frank and I are going to be going to Alaska. In July is it twenty fourth to the twenty ninth I believe Frank
2: right? yes i take and, that's it.
1: and you know it 's all and when I say all I mean all inclusive it is uh, and we just had two people slip away, so we 've got a room left for two people if anybody 's still interested and it 's about eighteen hundred dollars that includes pick up at the airport um room all of your meals breakfast lunch and dinner hot meals in the kitchen and you know nice rooms um we've got they've got some new boats up there they're 90 190 horsepower outboards that are just very very comfortable and and you are your own captain so if you want to go out and have breakfast and fish for a couple hours in the morning and come back in for a hot lunch and then go back out again you do whatever you want or you just take a nap or go on into town if that's what you want Mm -hmm. and so we would we do have a space opened up for that so get in touch with me at uh, uh let's uh let's go with jt john t uh, or john hennigan at jt hennigan h-e-n-i-g-i-n h-e-n-i-g-i-n john hennigan at com, and we will uh see if we can slide you in there or go to the website and i'm sure you can find my phone number at FishTalkRadio.com, but Frank, it looks like it's f- time for go to work, and I'm really looking forward to our first guest. A, a f- just one of the nicest guys you've ever met. Uh, great fisherman. We've done some f- trips together, and yeah. we're going to find out what Jason is up to. So, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Fish on Talk Radio.
3: Always buy quality, and you will not be disappointed. A.O. Coolers, the lightweight, soft-sided cooler, will not disappoint you. Easy to carry, less room on the deck, and more efficient. A.O. Coolers fit the product inside for more performance. Once you try one, you want more. You will be proud to own one. A.O. Coolers outperform bulky, hard-shell, and lesser soft-sided coolers. For types and how to find yours, go to AOCoolers.com. Available at West Marine.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt
1: Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and of course we have Frank Selby on the line. With us we have uh, a very, I'd like to consider him a friend of mine, Jason Grupp. Now Jason's a very interesting guy. He is uh, first and foremost an avid fly angler, and you know we've done a, a couple of trips together, and you know he's good at it. Uh his background is that he worked with a, um, a very high-end dude ranch and operated their bass pond for them, and then you know being a high-end uh, dude ranch. Uh, he met some, you might call, you know, well-heeled uh, people. And one of these guys, that uh, for some strange reason decided he wanted to get into the great business, so he bought a 200-acre uh, Thompson Ranch up in Santa Barbara County. And he said, Jason, I want you to operate it for me. And Jason goes, what do I know about grapes, why, why me? And he said, well, because you're a very talented guy, you're a quick learner, uh, I like you, we would get along, and I know you'll do a great job. Well, and that was, what, about three years ago,
7: uh, yeah, about th- about three and a half years ago, I jumped on board with this ranch. Yeah, it's been a good so, ride.
1: So it's been a quick study, huh?
7: So. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've spent the last four years studying viticulture and getting to know that end, uh, the the ponds and the fishing end, and the rest mm-hmm. of the ranch stuff. I, I knew. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Well, uh, we're going to talk about breakwater tours when we come back from the break next time. But you do a lot of uh, you know very very impressive you know once in a lifetime kind of trips. But uh, for you, it's like once a month. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in the next segment. But one of the things that interests me is that when you took over that property there were two ponds on it that you made into um, bass ponds, uh fly fishing, catch and release only, and apparently you stocked that, right?
7: I did, yeah. There's some we loaded it up with some big Florida strain largemouth mm-hmm. and it's it's an excellent bass fishery. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And and then uh, for the last year and a half or so, you've been working on a third pond that you've. Um, you were telling me that you just brought back a truckload of tailwalkers from Nebraska. <laughs>
7: Yeah, we weren't quite satisfied with the bass ponds. We needed another species, and so we uh, we spent the last two years building about an acre and a half trout pond. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's thirty feet deep, and we designed it uh, with the idea of trying to sustain air, sustain trout in an area that uh, they're tougher to sustain. You know, we mm-hmm. get higher temps, so we did a lot of research on design and aeration, and we actually built a quarter mile river as well to help with the goals. Of Sustaining these trout,
1: and that river runs into it, or
7: it what? does. Yeah, okay. and I recirculate water through it, and uh, it, it, it can I can run it twenty four seven. Uh huh. And we have trout stocked in the po- I put pools up there uh, as well. New, but it's for. And us. so uh, okay. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And then uh, yeah, we just finally finished you? the lake, and I loaded it up with uh, eight hundred pounds of Nebraska Tailwalker rainbows, which <laughs> are, are a pretty amazing strain of trout. It's a Kamloop trout from Canada and uh, up in Nebraska they raise these trout to just be you know, ferocious, very strong, very healthy, and they grow huge. We've got, we've got trout up to 15 pounds in there.
8: Whoa!
7: Yeah, a couple of monsters. I'll send you pictures.
1: <laughs> and,
8: wow.
7: Um, yeah, we've been catching you know six to 10 pound trout on a regular basis.
1: With yeah, my I got a ton of questions for you about that trout pond. Um, first of all, I assume that you feed
7: it. I do yeah I've got regular feeding um, of both pellets uh, we also have put in uh, a ton of mosquito fish in there mm-hmm. for them to eat which breed re- very rapidly so yeah. it's a great bait fish to put in there so they're eating those guys like crazy and then I, I regularly feed them with pellets just because uh-huh. they're so big they need a, a heavy heavy food source yeah yeah
1: and how long does it take to develop a you know an environment where they can start eating bugs and you know and, and a natural food Food supply.
7: You know, we, we weren't sure what was going to happen with that, but believe it or not, it's, it's already happening uh, in just a few months. Uh, water boatmen, uh, frogs are laying eggs like crazy. Uh, there's tadpoles. And then I've been seeing a lot of different hatches come off every morning and, in, and evening, so I know uh-huh. there's a good aquatic bug life going on in there. We're seeing a lot of midges come off, mosquitoes, yeah. um, a couple different types of mayflies and whatnot. So, uh, you know, in just a few months, Mother Nature did its job.
1: Well, a couple of quick questions: Is that if you feed them, you know, trout food? um, Do you tie a fly that looks like a pellet?
9: (laughs) (laughs)
7: <laughs> yeah, It's a funny question. Uh, y- yes, but, uh, you know, and I did tie up a few that, that looked like a small pellet. But believe it or not, I haven't needed them. Uh, they're eating every fly I've been throwing at them, yeah. um, you know, from different types of streamers, udlers, all kinds of different rabbit strip type streamer mm-hmm. flies and fish them slow. And then we also do a lot of midging back there, and that's working. So we haven't struggled um You know, even though they'll come up and eat the pellets, they're eating everything else as well. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Now, if someone is interested out there in in building their own trout pond, this is, I think it's fascinating. Uh, I mean, you just, uh, you know, push out some dirt and fill it with water. Can you give us the process that it takes to build a trout pond?
7: (laughs) Well, um, it's a long process, and, uh, you know, you also have to deal with quite a bit of logistics on permitting um, and, and doing it the right way. And, uh, you know, the main portion was the dirt work. Uh, We had to build a pretty sizable dam, and the engineering behind that was extensive. And then the dirt work, you have to build what is called a keyway, which locks this dam in, so you actually have to... Dig way down and then rebuild it in a way uh, that will help hold this dam. And then you have to get a certain amount of compaction in the dirt. We had to get we were getting around ninety eight percent compaction through our dam. Mm-hmm. So that can be tricky. And that was the majority of the money that we spent on building this this lake
8: mm-hmm.
7: uh, was was getting that dam going and figuring out the right slopes. And
1: well, um, two quick questions: uh, What do you do with the dirt? And then um, the other question is what keeps the water just from running into the ground?
7: So the dirt was tricky, and you know, obviously, to move it a distance is expensive. So we we're lucky enough to have a 250-acre ranch, and I was able to hide most of it. We have a farm field that we took a lot of the dirt to, so I was able to get rid of it. But if there's properties that don't have the luxury of dumping that dirt, then that's going to be an f- expense that needs to be planned on for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I was able to fill a couple of valleys on the on the ranch and things like that. But uh, I, I also had to really pay attention to the erosion at that point because we, we moved a lot of dirt right before winter so oh. I ended up seeding it and sprinkling it to get some growth on there so that all that dirt wouldn't, wouldn't
1: slide. wouldn't right back into it. Yep. Okay.
7: Yep. So, yeah, that was tricky and then the process of keeping the water in the lake, we used a new technology, it's a geotextile blanket. It's basically two blankets that sandwich bentonite. Which bentonite is a product that is used, you know, regularly for helping seal things up. It mm-hmm. expands and
1: Well is there did you leave any structure, is there any shrubs or trees or did you add some structure to it?
7: We built the pond with a, a lot of trees that were already there, old oak trees, mm-hmm. and so we kind of, it's a crescent-shaped lake with a channel in between, and we, we did a big steel bridge over the middle of the channel. Oh, cool. Yeah, so the boats can go under it, and you can fish off the bridge or dive in. Uh-huh. And, uh And we, we incorporated the trees around it. We've got a couple that are overhanging the lake, which, mm-hmm. you know, aesthetically was was a lot of fun to do.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like you don't really need a boat for a lake for that size, so it's mostly all fishing.
7: Yeah, it's it's fine. You don't even really need to get in the boat. A float tube's a lot of fun, though, too. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'll bet. <laughs> well, do you have, a like, a flat-bottom drift boat or anything that you use?
7: Yeah, I've got a little John boat in there. from mm-hmm a uh, flat bottom that with mm-hmm. a little trolling motor and we putt around and yeah. that's mostly to hold the beer.
1: Yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I got one question. How big of a berm did you stick at the deep end? How, how high of a berm did you use?
7: Well the the dam is fairly sizable. We we, we got about 28 to 30 feet deep okay. on the deepest spot. Okay. And it was a 2 to 1 slope.
1: Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Frank, we're going to come back and we're going to keep uh, Jason over so we're going to talk about breakwater tours, but we might finish up a little bit about the pond. I find it fascinating. You're listening to Fish Talk Radio. Come right back.
10: One
11: more time. Sleep rain and go fishing.
5: The best wing shooting is in Nayarit, Mexico. It's absolutely incredible and is only $2,650 U.S. per person. Includes four nights lodging, three days hunting, all meals, non-alcoholic beverages, transportation, bird boys, cleaning and packing of all birds. You'll even be provided, free of charge, a quality shotgun over and under or automatic either a Beretta or Browning. 3 cases of shotgun shells, even the tips are included. <laughs> Bird season starts soon, so book your adventure today. Contact support at thegrizgear.com. That's support at thegrizgear.com or call 434-953-8598. That's 434-953-8598. <laughs>
3: Let me tell you about a fantastic
5: boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides and even bird watching guides and the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel the chef will even cook your catch check it out at mangroveinbaja.com or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure that's 434-953-8598
0: Welcome back to Fish, Talk, and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is
1: John Hennigan, and of course we have Frank Selby, and we have Jason Grepp. Well, let me tell you how much Jason Grepp enjoys fishing. He built his own trout pond. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Don't we all have our own? Come on.
1: Yeah, and he also has uh, two bass ponds. But we were talking, I think it's fascinating. that, that You know, I mean, it's like okay when you start thinking especially with the regulations and all this and all of that how does it really work um you know it's not just like a mud puddle because they dry up and and then uh, you're left with dead fish um J- jason what temperature uh does it require for trout i mean how warm of water can they get i know in this area bass should not be a problem but what about trout
12: yeah, that's the tricky part.
7: And uh, it, there's a combination of trying to balance your oxygen levels with the temperatures and, you know, doing that with an aeration system. So I also time my aeration system so that I can not mix the water when I shouldn't be, when it's really hot. You know, you still want that thermocline to mm-hmm. hold down there. So there's some mm-hmm. strategy behind when you aerate your pond and things like that.
1: So aerating helps bring the temperature down.
7: Well, it, it can bring it up, though, too, it, if you mix that hot water and, and destroy your thermocline thermocline, it brings the temperature up. Mm-hmm. So I try and only aerate, you know, when it's cooler and when it's hot, I let it kind of sit and hold that thermocline. But mm-hmm. it, it's a tricky, tricky deal to to have to manage. Mm-hmm. And uh, water temperatures, you know, for trout, different species can handle higher um, you know, Brown and Brooks. So what are you at, about?
1: High high sixties. What's you know? What's the temperature for trout?
7: Yeah, when you get over seventy, seventy five, then you're you're starting to run into those areas that aren't real good for them. Um, the lake right now is running at about fifty seven, fifty eight degrees, which they're happy. They're yeah. doing fine. We have our nice cool nights out here. Right. Um, this summer will be a little tricky, and that's when I have to be really careful with the aeration and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but you just have to keep an eye on it, and uh, and then you also have well, to balance out.
1: There's probably a critical level, too. It has to be reach a certain depth to keep the water down there cool, right?
7: That's right. I kind of find 28 feet or more is sort of important to hit on a trout pond. Bass ponds can be, you know, 10 or 15, and they're fine. They're happy. But trout, you need to get down there a little deeper, give the the lake a chance to form that mm-hmm. thermocline, and, and those trout can retreat to those deeper waters to cool off. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess the difference between a lake and a pond is that uh um a pond will have growth on the bottom and you can see it where but uh are you with that material that you put down will you get any uh anything growing up out of the bottom?
7: I will because part of the design that we did uh we formed benches all over the lake so i put different benches and rock piles and all kinds of stuff at different depths and there was a number of different reasons for that one to help the whole ecosystem and the bug life number two to give you know holding places for the fish but we also created benches to support a a, a quite a a big life of plants along the edges Mm -hmm. and all kinds of different aquatic Uh, plants that we can put in there to help the whole system.
1: It's fascinating. Yeah. But, as fascinating as it is, uh, let's move on a little bit. We mentioned that uh, Jason is an avid fly angler. He's now a vintner (laughs) or a (laughs) viticulturist, I guess. Uh, And he's, but his uh, something that he's been doing for quite some time is breakwater tours. So, why don't you give a quick explanation about that, uh, if you wouldn't mind, Jason?
7: Yeah, I do a lot of, I teach fly fishing is, is a big part of it um, and some guiding here locally in California uh, you can come and fish our trout pond and our bass ponds too through my business uh, and then I also I host trips uh, specializing in Mexico and Belize so we're going down to fish Lake El Salto quite a bit so I put groups together to go down and fish the bass lake out of Mazatlan uh, and then I also put trips together to Belize for groups so we go out and fish the flats for tarpon permits bonefish, snook, all kinds of, you know, tropical yeah, fish. Frank,
1: shelter. I believe you fish fished these areas too, haven't you?
7: Yeah. You get in chaka? Chaka? No. Yeah. Where at in Belize are you at? We go to uh, Ambergris Cay, the island of San Pedro, and fish the flats out of there. Um, I represent a really nice resort, and they just do a great job. And we yeah,
2: I fish for- down by the Monkey
7: River. Not familiar. What what, what, a what is chaka?
2: It's uh, really they have teeth that's like an inch long. They look like a piranha with oversized teeth.
7: Huh. Does that require any special, you know, steel leader or anything like that? No. No, you can get them with just a i I'll paw. send
2: you a tape of what we did in the seventies. You'll love it.
7: <laughs> cool.
1: Was that the 1870s, Frank?
2: <laughs> no, the 1970s. You know better than that. But yeah, know. we used to. We uh, I like Belize because you, they speak English.
7: Oh, yeah, it's nice. That's their language there. That no. it, it makes it easy to communicate. Well, I, with I,
1: them. I have a question for both of you guys. Um, there are some fabulous fishing, especially in Central and South America as far as the fishing grounds. The biggest problem is the infrastructure. Um, You know, it's like in Cabo San Lucas, we fish a lot, and I think they've got, I don't remember what it is, like 300 individual charter boats, um, and it's easy and it's cheap. You just walk down, and get on the boat, and it's you know it's 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 very very inexpensive. But when you get into some of the areas like uh, Nicaragua and in uh, um, Belize and areas, they just don't have the infrastructure. So, kind of bring me up to date on that.
7: Well, I like the all inclusive resorts. Um we work with El Pescador, uh, which is out, out on the island of San Pedro, and you just pay for a package deal, and you can do three days, four days, five days, six days. We'll customize the price for you. A lot of it's laid out on my website at Breakwater Tours, and, and, and I've got different package deals. I like usually at least a... Four or five day trip.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, if you are going to spend the money to go down there, you don't go for one or two days.
7: Yeah, but a few thousand bucks can get you a long ways. It's all your food, all your guiding, and your lodging. Um, You know, you can put together a package for you know two to four thousand dollars, something like that, and you can have a pretty good darn you know fishing trip for that. Mm -hmm. Not too bad.
1: So you get a you know the fact that they don't have the infrastructure doesn't matter because you are just using the boats and such from the from the lodge.
7: Yeah, and the, the guides there been, you know, they grew up on this island. They know the water like the back of their hand. Um, last time we were in Belize, we were fishing in the park, which is a, just a giant mangrove forest and we're going in there for these giant tarpon that are in these mangroves oh. it's amazing and manatees swimming by. And
1: Yeah, well, when you say go in there, you don't actually go in there you just kind of get up next to them,
7: right? Well, no, so you we, in. we're on a, a boat and you go down these mangrove tunnels hmm. where you literally have to lay down on the boat and work your way basically into a mangrove jungle and then it there's openings inside there where you can throw fly for these, you know, 50, 60 pound tarpon in oh,
1: there tarpon in there wow yeah
7: i it was it's i've had some amazing fights inside there and then uh last trip we left the mangrove area and, and went out and fished leonardo dicaprio's island right near oh. there
1: but well, he owns an island
7: he's got an island out there wow yeah
1: well when you get into the mangroves especially in the evening you want to be real careful about the, some of the critters in there don't you
7: yeah, you yeah, you get but you get a lot of bug bites. They've got a thing called a bot fly out there that's just a nasty Yeah sucker. You gotta watch out for him. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, you just gotta be careful and hope your guide is good and um like I said, the resort we work with, I've got all the faith in the world in these guides and uh it, it, they make it happen. Giant fish, three, you know. It's just it's like three to six foot deep water for hundreds of miles, loaded with giant fish. Well, it, I mean,
1: is it just now? <laughs> now is is this uh, the beach or the or the uh, uh, marsh or what is this?
7: It's basically the flats. So you'll run for you know miles and miles and miles in three to six foot deep water. Oh, yeah. So
1: you on, on the boat?
7: On the boat. Yep. Just mm-hmm. working the flats and the guides know where the fish are, and they'll find big channels where the tarpon are moving through, and um, they'll find the the permit schools uh, working the flats, so you you look for tails sticking up on the permit, and you can spot a big school of them, and then you sneak up on them either by foot walking on the flats or by boat and just creeping up, and they they use a push-pull. Oh,
1: for the boats, yeah, Mm -hmm. very stealthy, yeah.
7: Yeah, I got a thirty-pound permit mm-hmm. last time I was in Belize. It was and, awesome. And
1: then you can always take that uh, stick and whack them.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we fish. knew that was kind. Yeah. Of, uh, no, it's 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 an amazing experience working the flats out in Belize. It really mm-hmm. is. So.
1: Well, you're, you're primarily uh, you specialize in uh, Mexico or uh, El Salto in Belize. But, uh, of course, anybody anybody that wants to go with you, they'll go. You can send them almost anywhere and then even do some local stuff in California. And uh, if they're the right people, you might even just take it up to your own private spots.
7: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you want to go local. It's all on my website.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yep. Okay. So okay. how many rods do you take when you go down to Belize, like 10 weights and your seven or eight weights
7: yeah you know i don't go under an eight weight out there um i i use an eight for bonefish or any smaller reef reef fish we may be chasing i use a 10 weight uh, you can get away with a nine weight for permit but i like a 10 weight a little better uh, um, and then i'll go up to a uh, 12 weight for tarpon but okay. if the migratory tarpon are there those are like, they can be up to 150 pounds. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, you need a 12 or a 13 help. Yeah.
1: See, those things come jumping flying out of the water. And yeah. Of course, when you only got about six, you know, four to six feet of water, I don't know how high they can jump.
7: We had a we had a 90-pounder last trip jump our outboard, and <laughs> my fly line hit my guide and knocked him off the uh, platform off the back. Okay. So it, right. can get, uh, it can get pretty intense. Okay.
1: All right. Well, it looks like we're out of here. There's never enough time. So, Jason, if you don't mind, we're going to you know, check back in with you after you get me up to the pond. <laughs> and uh, Frank's going to give me some lessons on, on fly fishing up there.
13: Thanks
2: for no having
1: problem. me on. Okay, all right. We appreciate that you are listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. And we're gonna be right back with you. Go to Fishtalkradio dot com and listen to the show as many as you want.
5: It's a great time to visit Lake Naciamento. Hard to pronounce, easy to find, to rest and relax this fall and winter season. Cast your line, sit back, breathe in the crisp air, and catch a fish. The resorts offer accommodations from lodges that sleep four or more, modular cabins that sleep up to eight, all fully furnished lodges with scenic views of the lake. Self-contained RV rental trailers are also available. Located midway between Los Angeles and San Francisco, the resort offers fun and adventure for the entire family. Visit NaciamentoResort.com. That's N-A-C-I-M-I-E-N-T-O-Resort.com.
10: The road stretches for miles in front of you. And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25-miles-per-gallon highway. So your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first ever back-to-back motor trend truck of the year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 mpg highway based on V6 4x2.
6: The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, Tuna, Wahoo, Marlin, Sailfish, Roosterfish and parko. The Van Warmer Resort make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan.
1: This is John Hennigan, and we have the, <laughs> I guess you'd call him internationally world famous because Bart Hall has people from all over the world uh, that comes to the Hall Show in particular, the the Big Daddy in Long Beach, and we have Frank Selby on the line. That, uh, Frank, you give demonstrations and classes at the Hall Show, don't you, sometimes?
2: Yes, his dad gave me my start on the pond,
1: and that was back in what? What was it? Never
2: mind. Never (laughs) mind.
1: (laughs) Well, Bart's Bart's still a a kid, but uh, that was back about the time Bart was born, I think.
2: No, Bart and me, we 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 remember little things.
13: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Frank uh, Frank's uh, one of the great. Uh, fly casting instructors Um, I I watch a lot of people over the years at the shows and they they make it really very very difficult and they turn off more people than they teach and Frank will go up there with you and after 90 seconds 2 minutes he's got you casting uh, a fly good enough to go fishing and uh, if you want to get better at it he can do that for you too but he, he makes it very simple and he's very very good at it.
1: Well he's promised to see what he can do for me Well,
13: he's good. Frank is really the best.
1: Yeah. Hey, careful there, Frank. We don't want to get a, you know, if Bart says you're one of the best, that means something big.
13: Yes, it does.
2: Mm -hmm. I I appreciate it. But Bart, he's brought so many people from all over the world. And the people that come to his shows and Work, does the shows you can learn anything you want about hunting, fishing, bait fishing doesn't matter. They're all there, and they're very excellent people. And well, he has
13: fact, the cream of the crop. Am I right, Mark? Matter of fact, I was just sitting here. Uh, Mike, the Alum, and I were going over some of the hunting pictures because we been discussing. Uh, how, how much the hunting section has grown at the Long Beach Show particularly and uh, how much fun it's going to be. And we, we really have destinations from all over the world. You you can literally book a trip to hunt anywhere in the world at the Long Beach Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all the shooting sports uh, on display, firearms on display, hunting accessories, shooting accessories. Uh <coughs> We have places from New Zealand, Africa, uh, all across the United States and, South and uh, North and South America. And uh, we're, we're pretty excited about the hunting portion of the show.
1: Well, Bart, you know, you have a, well, pretty much a combination of any outdoors, you know, boating, fishing. Now, um, f- f- uh, fly fishing, in particular, saltwater fly fishing, you know, you used to have a small segment for it. Uh, what's happened to that in the last five years?
13: Actually, the, the fly fishing segment has gotten smaller. The fly fishing industry is very difficult for us to deal with, um, and they don't really want to uh, participate in, in shows where, where people are general, general fishermen. Not everybody. There's certain uh, fly fishermen. Guy Jeans is there. He's very good at it. Frank is there. He's very good good at it, too. But well, a lot of these guys, they just want to – Talk to them. Talk to each other. You know, it's a little club that they have going. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we. But we have uh, some good fly fishing instruction, and we have some good fly fishing retailers there. And so, uh, it's just uh, in terms of size, it's it's not as big as it used to be. But by the same token, we don't have the room, and we we just you know it's kind of like we have so much good stuff there that if you're if you're not really enthused about being at the largest fishing show in the world then there's just not room for you
1: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> i agree 110% yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and we're talking about the Long Beach show so um you you know i don't i know you didn't just throw that out casually uh what does it mean to have the largest uh uh consumer um, outdoor fishing show in the world
13: well for for me it's it means more than than most people you know it's my father's idea in 46 to start that thing and and uh, you know to see it grow to the size that it is now is means a lot to me but that's it's the result of a lot of work from a lot of people you know, we, there's a there's a lot that goes into it here. And, you know, between, you know, Ginny and Katie and Mike Lumb and Tim Baker and, and Dave uh, Mondaji and all of our crew that we've had for over 30 years. I mean, that's what makes it work. It's a matter of promotion, customer service and and uh, some some forward thinking, and mm-hmm. and uh, that's why it's it is what it is. Uh, there isn't anything else like it anywhere. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, you know we say it every time that you're on. But uh, if you're interested in going to the Long Beach show, no matter where you are within the sound of our voice, which is pretty much all over the world, in particular, uh, all over the U.S., is that it might be worth taking you know a little you know vacation trip because when you go to the Long Beach. Show, you—it's you, you, you know—it's not like uh, Bass Pro or something. You walk in there and spend an afternoon. I mean, you you have to spend at least two days, and that's and that's if you're just doing a walk through.
13: Well, uh, that's true, you know. But when we look at all the shows as a as a whole mosaic, and matter of fact, we've spent the last two days. We're still doing it today, making specific ads and and uh, TV and radio commercials for the different segments of the show because we can't all talk about it in one thing. For example, at the at the Bakersfield show, it's one of the west's largest RV shows, but it's also the Central Valley's largest boat show and it's the only fishing show in that in that marketplace. Mm-hmm. And in Long Beach, we have we have of course our the largest fishing show in the world, but it's also one of California's largest boat shows and one of the largest uh, fishing and hunting travel shows. Yeah. so we have to do ads for each segment. We just we do general ads, and then we then the same in San Diego, you know, boating, fishing, and hunting, mm-hmm. and 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 so we have to do different different ads to talk about it, because if we just do it in our regular one, it kind of all gets lost under the Mm -hmm. ultimate outdoor experience.
1: Well, Bart, I I think with the the economy, the way that things have been moving, um, more and more people are interested in buying new boats
13: uh well that seems to be the trend uh, the uh you know the LA boat show just happened it was very successful and uh we we take that as a good sign i've heard from uh, other contacts in the west as the other shows go on that it's been uh, it's been very good for for boats uh, uh so uh we're we're expecting to have Three very good boat shows in Bakersfield, Long Beach, and Del Mar. Uh, We expect to have, uh, of course, always the good fishing shows. We're kind of known for that. And uh, the hunting fortune, uh, we're, we're very excited about that for this year.
1: Okay. And, Rob, one of the places that you spend a lot of time is you actually have the operators uh, from a lot of the lodges. Uh, You know, of course, Alaska and Mexico, uh, but you've got people there from pretty much everywhere that can answer real questions, and chances are you're talking to someone that's, uh, you know, not just hired to show up at the show and give you brochures.
13: Most of the time it's, that's correct, John. Most of the time it's someone who's in, intimately involved at the lodge, whether it's the owner or a manager or a assistant manager, someone who who knows the operation well and you can speak to it's not like going on a website where everything looks great you know if you do your website right but you get to talk to the people see the pictures listen to the stories of what's going on and we literally have it from all over the world you can book a trip fishing or hunting trip anywhere in the world from any of our shows really but Specifically, Long Beach and, and San Diego. You can you can book anywhere on the planet. So mm-hmm. it's just a, so that's a lot of fun.
1: Well, it must work because uh, you know the reason it's so big is everybody that comes to the show they always want to come back next year.
13: Most of the time, you know, and that that could gets to be a problem because new people want to come in and we have to. We have to struggle to do it we've, we've been sold out now for almost two months yeah. so it's but but you know you're sold out but then something happens somebody gets sick or or somebody decides hey wait a minute i I'm not going to get my shipment of boats in time so I have to take less space so stuff like that happens and we're able to squeeze people in continuously even today we're getting a couple people into a couple of the shows here but it's it's you, you know technically we, we've been sold out for almost two months
1: so. and uh, Frank are you going to be at the Long Beach show,
13: Bart, have I ever missed a show?
1: Well, no. no I mean, are, are you going are, are to be? Oh yeah. Are you going to be demonstrating or teaching?
13: I'm pretty sure I will. Okay. Yep. He, he he agreed to. He said yes to Mike Lum. I heard him on the phone uh, yesterday or earlier today. Yeah. I don't remember which. So yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Yes, and
2: I already set our date for our cigar.
1: Oh, okay. Right. Okay.
2: Oh, Bart. One thing that I wish you would talk a little bit about.
1: Okay, we, we, got, we got the, one minute, Bart.
2: Okay, the the best of the best. You they will. It's a learning show, just as much as it is for the whole family. Everybody can learn something.
13: Well, we're going to do over seven hundred seminars in twelve days. So, and we get the best people doing it. Like we to, Frank will be there talking. You know, we have Frank LaPresti who will be there talking. We have Paul Hebert from Wicked Tuna is coming out and, and talking. Yeah. We, we have people from all over the country and all around the world who are experts at what they do, talking about fishing and hunting at our shows. Yeah, Bart,
2: it's my favorite show. I would, As long as you
13: want to have me, I'll be there,
1: Bart. Oh, Bart, before we get too far along, we're almost out, where and when?
13: Okay, so the Bakersfield show is March 2nd to the 4th at the Kern County Fairgrounds. That's coming up. So, yep, we're coming up. The, Mar- the Long Beach show is March 7th to the 11th at the Long Beach Convention Center, and the San Diego show is March 22nd to the 25th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds.
1: Mm, I, yeah, gosh, that's coming up quick. I didn't realize, cause we're going to have to start running your spots uh, right away.
13: Well, we're right around the corner. Okay, yeah,
1: we well, you are. Okay, and then uh, it might be a good idea to, you know, if there's some a uh, lot of accommodations in Long Beach, just you know kind of be careful how you pick them because there's some good places and bad places. But I'd definitely um, plan on spending more than a day in order to just see it all, let alone to, you know, get take it all in. Bart, we always appreciate having you on. I'm certainly glad you're available today. You are listening to Fish on Talk. Radio and uh, you go to fishtalkradio.com and listen to today's show. Probably, um, you know, in, in the next few days, just go to the site and listen to it, and you can hear all about it. Thanks, Bart.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio
1: with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we have only a couple minutes in this segment, so we're going to cover what we can. We have Andrew Hard, who is owner-operator of the Freedom Boat Club, and his franchise is in Huntington Beach. But you can go pretty much anywhere in the United States, right, Andrew?
12: Yeah, we've got 150 locations across the country. So we've got, you know, send people all... All across the land to go fish or recreate, and well, you know, on the East Coast, West Coast, I don't, wherever we have a location.
1: I, I don't want to uh, uh, dominate, but a couple of things that we talked about the last time we had you on, I called it a no-brainer, and you can go over the arithmetic with us. But and and some of the the reasons why you want to join uh, the Freedom Boat Club, because um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and let you take it real quick.
12: Yeah, I mean financially. It is a no-brainer. Typically, I I don't even get into that as much because it's such a – compared to owning your own boat, it's a fraction of the cost, right? Um, But there's other benefits, too, like the the value of your time. So you're not going to be spending your time cranking on motors or cleaning. Um, You're going to be spending your time fishing, having fun, recreating with the family, water sports, Catalina, you know, that kind of thing. Checking out new areas of the country as far as boating goes, things that you just wouldn't be able to do in your own boat. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing is the variety you get. So you get a ton of variety with this. So you just um, pick out whatever boat you want. Yeah. What do you want to do for the day? Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, our guys are on the dock waiting for you, and off you go. Well, I Clean like it when you get back.
1: I like the idea. If you want to go fishing, you know, it's like you know, it's let's just say it's Saturday morning, you know, or Sunday morning. You go. You know what? I think I'm going to go out in the water for a few hours. Um, You can't do that with your own boat. I mean, it takes you a few hours just to get it in the water.
12: Just to prep it, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And then, mm-hmm. even what type of fishing do you want to do? Because that can then dictate what type of boat you're going to get with us. So we even have it dialed down to: Do I want to, you know, do I want to throw iron at, at uh, Dorado, or hot potties, well, great center consoles? You know, I want to bass fish, and then I got the trolling motor on the on the bay boat. Or if I want to do some heavy offshore stuff, I got the Parkers.
1: Mm-hmm. So. and then, but we did. You know, you didn't go over the money, but if you do some arithmetic, and you calculate, let alone all the time. And, and, you know, what I like the most about it is you come in, pull into the slip, get off the boat, and wash your gear, and you walk away. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, 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 in itself, that's for, aside from the money. But, you know, if you calculate your true cost, you know, of the you know boat payment and uh, insurance, the uh, slip fees in particular, uh, and all the rest of it, you're probably about uh, a third debt, to you- should join the club, or maybe a yeah, fourth.
12: I, I yeah, I would tell people for less than a slip fee, you get the whole the whole shebang, mm-hmm. you know, the service, uh, the and, maintenance, uh, the insurance. How
1: do they get in touch with you, uh, if you don't mind?
12: They can call us at 888-781-7363. That's 888-781-7363. Or check out our website, freedomboatclub.com.
1: Okay. no, What a no-brainer. Yeah. That's that sounds great, and you got them spread out pretty much all over. So if you want to take a little trip across the country, or just you know visiting somebody, and you go, you know what, I think I'll go, you know go out, and you can take somebody with you. I'm sure.
12: Yeah, take whoever you want. Take your dog. Yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> take your dog. That's a great idea. Okay, well it looks like they're getting us out of here. Um, freedom. Boat Club. Is that a... Freedom Boat Club. Is that a yeah, dot .com? Yeah,
12: we'll, uh, we'll be at the Fred Hall show and the uh, Pacific Coast Sport Fishing show oh, coming perfect. up in February, in February and, is that and a, March.
1: Is that a dot .com? Freedom Boat Club?
12: FreedomBoatClub.com.
1: It's easy. Yep. Alright, well, we appreciate you taking a couple of minutes, Andrew, and uh, we'll bring you back on soon. Thanks for that. Thanks you are so much, John. To Fish Hunt Talk Radio, go to FishtalkRadio.com and listen to this whole show as many times as you want.
0: to Fish, Talk, and Hunt Radio with John Henneken, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't
1: even imagine. This is John Hennigan and also, of course, our co-host Frank Selby is uh, helping us out and we're going to be... Gosh, we had... Another fun show coming up. We have uh, someone in the next segment that's coming up. His name is Shane Mayfield, and uh, he considers himself, himself as a coonass. Now, if people are not familiar, it's not a derogatory term. He's very proud of it. And uh, we've had uh, Tofield Bourgeois uh, on a few times, and he's pretty much from the same area. But he'll be talking about fishing the uh, Mississippi Delta. And yeah, they've got just—I don't know how big it is, but Frank, it's friggin' big. And then uh, uh, you know they've got all the wetlands and, and the birds and you know all the rest of it down there. So, and not only that, you're less than an hour from Bourbon Street.
3: Yeah, the
2: Mississippi at the mouth is 300 miles.
1: What do you mean? You With mean fresh across,
2: water? Across? No, across. When it comes out, yeah, uh, it, it's the widest freshwater running into the salt there is. Whoa! In the world.
1: Well, it's got a lot of marsh and you know, and and that's where all the redfish and stuff go. Yeah. You know, but they do have the bigger ships that go up the Mississippi, so it's got to have a pretty yep. deep channel in there somewhere. Yeah.
2: There was an old saying that, uh, this is back in the early 1800s, the guy's flashes were out of water, and the other sail ship says, just stick a bucket over, you're in fresh water.
1: A, a mile offshore, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. we're here about three miles offshore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're going to take a break, and uh, uh, we're going to come back, and we'll see if we can get uh, Shane on the line with this. So stay tuned, and you are listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com, and listen to the show as many times as you want, and get in touch with us. See if you want to go fishing. Bye.
5: lake cabot one-seventh place in america's top 100 family-friendly places to boat and fish the lake is in the bay area only 45 minutes away from san francisco the scenic destination boasts over a dozen hiking and biking trails trophy size fish boat rentals bay area kayak tours and a picturesque eating area at the surprisingly delicious cafe tell them john hennigan sent you and they'll even give you a special gift on california parks visit lake for information that's lake
1: back to fish talk and hunt radio with john hennigan this is john hennigan and we have uh, of course um, frank shelby from his and hers fly shop and avid angler and i think that uh, uh, our guest um, coming up is shane mcfield and he's uh, adventures south guide service is that right uh, shane
9: that's
1: it. Okay, and uh, you can lay that accent on a little bit uh, thick. As I, as I mentioned, um, it sounds like uh, a derogatory term, but a ass is something people are very proud of. You want to explain
9: what <laughs> yeah, that is? It, well, it's actually it, it was actually a, a a term that people you know they call them registered cunasses, and and that's people that were born and raised down in you know South Louisiana and. And actually we don't use it as much as we used to anymore but it's it's not a it's not a term that's actually known uh to be bad although when you talk to some of the old Cajun French people they'll uh they'll say that a coon ass was uh was a was a lady of the night that that wasn't in really good standing with anybody really oh. really meant. so I guess it's not oh. the greatest uh term in the world.
1: Mhm. Yeah. So basically south of New Orleans.
9: Yeah, south of New Orleans. I mean, I'm down here. Yeah, south south of, we say south of I 12, but really south and, you know, southwest Louisiana, all, all south of uh, I 12 for sure, way down at the bottom.
1: Mm hmm. Well. And
9: that's it.
1: Frank and I were just talking a little bit off air about the, the mighty Mississippi. Do you want to give us some stats on um, the water as it uh, well, comes down into the Delta?
9: I mean, like where we're at, I mean, you know, obviously it starts way up, up Minnesota, what have you, but, you know, where, where I fish and in, in the areas that I fish, the geography, I mean, we are 40, say 60 miles south of New Orleans, and uh, a little further than that, maybe the, the river actually passes right through. We, you know, we have parishes here, not counties. So our river, the river passes right through here, and, you know, it spreads out into different passes, we call it. So we've got hundreds of thousands of miles of uh you know marsh, uh Delta Marsh, salt marsh. It's a unique environment because of the fact that not you know, we don't it's not just fresh, it's not just salt. And there's places where we catch, you know, red red drum, you know, uh spotted sea trout and and, and largemouth bass all in the same areas because of that mixture we have. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, if you want to, we have the oyster bays with oysters in them where we catch a lot of redfish and, you know, spotted sea trout, which we call speckled trout. And then you go down river from which Venice, which is a town at the end of the uh, road in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, you can go down there and catch red specks and bass. And, or if you just want a bass fish, you can catch just straight up largemouth bass. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, not too many places where you have a major river spilling into, you know, a, a major body of water like the Gulf of Mexico. And, and that's what we have. And because of it, our, our fishing is, is pretty, pretty doggone good.
2: Mm-hmm. Pretty good. I thought it was
3: great.
9: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and it's it's like anything else. I mean, like today, for instance, I, we've got we've got uh eight guys in from Montana coming down to do some fly fishing, and uh, the last, they've been here for four days. And the last three days were, you know, we had some con- tough conditions, but it was we did real well yesterday. The First day, real well. Day before yesterday was so so. Yesterday was real good. And then today we had that front blow through yesterday evening. It's, uh, 25 knots. You know, it was like 40 something degrees this morning, overcast all day. That makes it tough on the, that makes it tough fly fishing. I mean, that's one thing. I don't blow smoke. I mean, I tell people like it is and, you know, I'm in this because I like taking people fishing and, uh, you know, show them a good time. And, you know, anybody who fishes a lot knows that no matter what you do, the fish got to play their part, and the fish don't bite all the time. So yeah, huh? that's kind of what we experienced.
1: Like I said today. they got they got fins and tails, and just because they were there yesterday.
9: That's right. I mean, it, and it's and it changes. I mean, yesterday put it this way, yesterday it was actually yesterday it was seventy degrees um, at the high, and today I think it was uh, you know once the sun got up it was in the it was below it was like fifty degrees in the morning. Mm-hmm. I got so, a good you know,
2: question you for you.
9: Uh-huh.
2: What's your favorite fish to guide
12: for?
9: I personally, I mean, you know, I've been doing this now full-time for I guess going on about 24 years and I did it before that part-time going through college and whatnot. And um, you know, I, it's redfish. I mean, redfish or red drum is a known a lot of places uh, uh that's king down here. So I really enjoy fishing for redfish or taking clients to fish for redfish. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's it's a great game fish. You know, they'll hit on a variety of, of different type of lures, flies, catch them on the top. You can catch them on the bottom, catch them in between. Uh, it's just a great game fish. They're not real picky because our, our redfish, because of, of the, the vast marsh we have, you know, we're, we're definitely, without a doubt, the premier redfish destination in the country i mean there's nowhere that is as good as we are when it comes to red fishing and and that's because of that river but you know because of that just naturally I, uh you know all these years i've gravitated toward you know redfish is what i like to catch and bring people to catch that that's what we do
2: carl always says you're a great guy well, and I will, you know, I will not insult his na- last name. But he's a good old Cajun boy, and he loves the gumbo down there.
9: <laughs> Who does it? Hey, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the only question is, what do you like? I mean, sausage. I like. It's funny. I, I'm from. I've had so much seafood. I like chicken and sausage gumbo. A lot of people like seafood gumbo, but I like chicken and sausage. But you know. When it, when it comes down to it, gumbo is good no matter what you got in it, you know. Yeah. But And that's, and that's kind of like what, you know, it's funny you say gumbo. I mean, that's a mixture. And that's the kind of my guiding experience. I mean, I've had everything, right? I've had the, the – I, I take from the beginning angler who's never held a rod before to the seasoned angler who's, you know, been all over the world. And don't matter who I have on my boat, I try to tailor the trip to meet their needs, and I'm going to give the guy who fishes with me, you know, 10, 15 times a year, I'm going to give him my all, and I'm going to give the person who's only maybe going to ever do once in their life on a charter trip, I'm going to give them my all because I didn't get in this business. You know, we got to pay the bills, but I'm not in the business because of the money. I'm, I, I've been doing it this long and been successful at it because I really love it. And I just love taking people fishing from all parts of the country and the world. And especially when they've never been down here and never caught a redfish before because redfish pull and, uh, you know, we you know, they don't have them everywhere. So when people come down here and they, they, cat, they, they latch into their first one, it really gets a smile on their face. And, uh, I mean, it, it makes getting up every morning, uh, for, for 20 something years worth. It.
2: Well, I'm going to have to get John and me to come down and hire you for a day to go red fishing. After I teach him a little bit better how to fly fish, but you have plenty of shrimp, don't you, for him?
9: Yeah, we got plenty. I got plenty of bait. If you, you know, if yeah. he needs. Bait, we can uh, we can let him potlick. You know, we can let him dredge. And hey, and that and that goes in another deal. I mean, we do. You know, years ago, we didn't use any bait. It was all plastics. We caught all we wanted. Um, you know, the fisheries changed a little bit, a lot more guides. And, you know, it's, you know, you don't, it doesn't make any sense, but you know, there's just a lot of times now where you spit to catch them on plastic and you can't, you know, you got to catch them on shrimp or some kind of bait. But, um, with that being said, I mean, we still, you know, we do a lot of good on throwing artificials and, I get people that come just in the summer to throw top waters for the big bull reds. And, like, these guys are down here from Montana to try to catch the big, what we call, big bull reds on mm-hmm. flies. So, I okay. mean, it's a 12-month fishery.
1: Shane, looks like uh, we're going to have to take a break here. But uh, you're going to stick right. around. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes, and we're going to continue the conversation. So, uh, we would appreciate it if you'd uh, stay tuned. Everybody out there, go to fishtalkradio.com and listen to the show right on the front page.
10: Yeah, I'd rather be a brother be a brother be. Yes, I would. I'd rather be a brother be. Yes, I would. I'd rather be a
6: mm. I would.
8: The
5: best wing shooting is in Nayarit, Mexico. It's absolutely incredible and is only $2,650 per person. Includes four nights lodging, three days hunting, all meals, non-alcoholic beverages, transportation, bird boys, cleaning and packing of all birds. You'll even be provided, free of charge, a quality shotgun over and under or automatic, either a Beretta or Browning, three cases of shotgun shells even the tips are included bird season starts soon so book your adventure today contact support at thegrizgear.com that's support at thegrizgear.com or call 434-953-8598 that's 434-953-8598 <laughs> Let me tell you about a fantastic boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides and even bird watching guides and the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel. The chef will even cook your catch. Check it out at mangroveinbaja.com or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure. That's 434-953-8598.
0: Fish Talk and
1: Hunt Radio with John Henneken. This is John Hennigan and we also have Frank Sobey. And we got on the line with this Shane Mayfield. Doesn't sound like a coon uh, ass name, but I guess he's been tra- <laughs> transplanted at an early age. Uh, Shane, a quick he question was born there. Um, there are lodges down there, but when someone comes down yeah. and fishes with you, of course, you're only an hour from New Orleans, or from Bourbon mm-hmm. Street, actually. But. Uh, um, uh, you know, what what what's describe a, a charter trip with this? I mean, how does it, how does it work?
9: Well, it, it just like you know, it just really depends on what they're looking for. I mean, like you said, we're about an hour, maybe you know, an hour or so from from the city from New Orleans. So some people do like to stay in the city, um, drive down in the morning to meet us, and you know, one of the launches we launch out of because we move around. I mean, it's not just one spot we launch out of. And that's because we kind of go with the fishing's best. But, you know, they'll meet us at the launch or there's lodging down, down in this part. And it just depends on what they want, whether it's, you know, all-inclusive with meals and, you know, somewhere they can just, you know, be based and not have to leave. Or some people like the hotel atmosphere. they got a couple small hotels. Or they have little uh, VRBO condos you can rent or houseboats. So, I mean, as far as lodging goes... It's you've got it from the top to the bottom scale, and it just really depends on what people want. So when they call me, I kind of talk to them and feel them out and see what they're looking for, and then I put them in the right place.
2: Mm-hmm. Like me, I like the closest to you. Plus, I like to know where the real restaurants are. All the boys go to.
9: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, like we're not, you know, we're like Venice, for instance. I mean, you know, to give you kind of a, you know, if you look at the Mississippi River and the little piece that sticks out on Louisiana at the point, at the southeastern corner, a little peninsula kind of, well, that's where we are. So, you know, we've got fishing, our parish is, say, 70 miles, let's say 70 miles uh, or long or 70-something miles long. I mean, we've got fishing all down that area. It just depends yep. on the time of the year, you know, with the day, the, the day, the weather, what have you. So, I mean, there's a lot of different places to stay. But once you get to the end of the road, you've got two predominant marinas um, down there: Cypress Cove and Venice Marina. And those places are like, yeah, a lot. Yep. People stay at the hotels. They wake up in the warm morning. Walk across the parking lot and get in my boat. So that works out real good.
2: That's where I'd like to stay. <laughs> that's the. That's the How about you, John?
1: Well, you know, if uh, if you want to spend a couple hours listening to some music in Bourbon Street, um, that's fine. But you like I said, you can get up in the morning and uh, you know be where the boat is in less than an hour.
2: Yep. Yeah, but when I'm with you it's hard for me to get up in the morning. <laughs> oh, <I see.
12: laughs> uh, what uh,
2: if I like some of the people from here if they were going down and they're mediocre fly fishermen what would be the best time uh, we know weather so like a 5 day trip would be ideal that at least they would hit 2 days of some of some good fishing.
12: Yeah,
9: yeah. Well, I mean, I'd say probably your fall, your fall time is is uh well, let's say this. The be- the weather that's most predictable is in the summertime. But for the fly fishing, the summertime is not the best. Now, don't now don't get me wrong. We catch a lot of fish in the summertime on the fly. It's just a different type of fishing. It's yeah. uh, you might tease them up, catch them in dirty, dirtier water with poppers and stuff like that. But for people that actually want to sight fish, you know, like to sight fish, and that's what we try to do—actually see the fish and throw to the fish. You're going to want to focus on the winter months because the the, the water's cooler. It's clearer. Um, the water, the wind's out. The predominant direction is out of the mm-hmm. north, which makes the water lower. So all that combined, you know, it concentrates the fish. They're easier to see, and uh, when you're trying to sight fish, that's just, that's what you want. So, I mean, it just really depends on you know what. I mean, like I said, you you can come when the weather's good is the best. Um, Even if you pick like the best tides and the best moon and the best. You know, time of year you hope when it's going to be cool weather. If the weather's iffy, then you know your fishing's not going to be as good. So, um, I'd say just the wintertime months for people who want to do traditional sight fishing. But if they don't care how they catch them, um, any time's good to come. Okay.
1: Anytime. Now, speaking of the weather, a full moon or a high tide is that good for the water, to, the salt water, to come in a little bit?
9: Yeah, and it and is, it, but see, like, it depends on, then again, it depends on the type of fishing that people want to do. If they want to do, you know, fly fishing, um, you don't want, you don't want high water. You want, um, you know, you want the water down some, or you want it down and rising, but you don't want a high rising tide, because that puts a lot more water in the marsh, and then you can't see the fish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, if you're just wanting to throw spinning tackle or casting tackle, um, you know that that's not as crucial so um, it just depends on the type of fishing that people want to do as to what conditions you're really looking for and uh, you know like I said fortunately for us we have a 12-month fishery and uh, so you know I have people that come literally you know I have no months that are you know months I take off totally because I've got a demand you know all year round because like like right now for instance guys in Montana You know, they're talking about getting home and maybe having to dig out of, you know, several feet of snow. It's like they're ready to get out of Montana and get down here and experience some little bit warmer conditions and do some fishing because they just can't do it right now where they're from.
2: Well, one more question, and this one's an easy one. What's the best restaurant right around you?
9: <laughs> well, and you they, can't
2: stay home either. <laughs>
9: no, I'm, I'm going to stay away. And I, what I'll say is, is that, you know, before Katrina, because we were ground zero for Hurricane Katrina. So yeah. they don't have like we got this parish got wiped out and a lot of the population got displaced. And, uh, you know, it just never did build back like it was. So we don't have the restaurants like, the you know, the fine dining room, which we never did. But we did have, you know, we did have a few family-friendly restaurants with really good seafood and steaks and stuff. And we just don't have uh, many choices anymore. So people come down here. There's uh you know, Venice Marina has a good restaurant, Cypress Cove. Um, if people want something fancier, they have a bed and breakfast called the Woodland Plantation. You gotta call in, in, in a, ahead of time, but it's it's the best meal you're gonna get down here. Down yeah. down south where we fish out of. Now, like I said, you're only a short drive away from New Orleans where your 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 ideas or your places you wanna eat and the quality of food, mm-hmm. you know, you you've got all the choices you could ever want.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I like real Cajun food, and I don't care if it's a hole in the wall. Yeah, I love Some it. of
1: that as well. Well, some of, some of the oldest, most popular places down there that uh, you see the mayor and governors and stuff in uh, doesn't look like somebody, you know, uh, would these people would walk into these places, but they're packed.
9: Oh, yeah. Well, it's, you know, I mean, it's like anywhere you go. You want to eat what the locals eat, and then. You know, a lot of times you you got like, especially in the city of New Orleans, where you've got, you know, you got old homes and people turn them into restaurants. So they don't look like your typical restaurant, but the food's real good.
2: Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about.
9: You know, we got it.
2: That's what I want. And I'll see you this fall. I'll call and give you a, a,
9: a payment yeah. for it.
1: Now you did uh, you did mention shellfish also? Uh, do you want to cover that real quick, Shane?
9: As far as which well, I mean we've got I mean we've got what I'm, I was saying oysters because like where I'm at here, um, our parish is probably more oysters uh, taken out of this parish and, and brought to you know seafood restaurants around the country than uh or shipped to seafood than any any other pair any other place in Louisiana. So um we're we're well known for having very good oysters. But it's not just oysters. We have the oysters, we have shrimp, we have all types of fish. I mean what what another thing and I and I didn't mention that, but not only do we have good near shore fishing for like redfish, speckled trout, uh you know, black drum, what have you but we've got a world-class uh, yellowfin tuna fishery as well. I mean, obvious well, it
1: it, obviously that's that's out in the um, that's out to sea a little ways. I'm surprised you'd have that down there.
9: No, um, actually, you you can be, uh, you know, when you run out of Venice, uh, you've got 20 miles of protected water, uh, marsh protected water that you can run in before it opens up into, you know, the Gulf of Mexico. But sometimes they're catching the tuna as close as you know, from the, where the, where the, where the marsh stops and the gulf begins, you know, they'll catch and tuna within 10 miles. And I mean, I'm talking world class 150, 200 pound yellowfin. I mean, it is, it is, uh, you, you know, you, you do a little looking around. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the best real elephant fisheries in the world, no doubt. And then, and then again, it's because of the nutrient rich waters of the Mississippi River spilling out into the Gulf of Mexico and, um, the tuna, the tuna there, you know? And we have Wahoo and we have Harlan, and we have Grouper and we have, we've got it all. It's just, uh, it's stuck down in a foot. We're down below New Orleans. We don't have the big sandy beaches and the high rise condominiums and stuff that drive a lot of charter fishing, uh, you know, businesses, other places. This is a destination, and people come here because they heard about how good the fishing is.
1: There you go. Well, we're going to have to let you go, uh, Shane. We mentioned that it. it's uh, adventuresouthguideservice.com. Yeah, yep,
9: and I you see, can actually, if they look, uh, an easy way to remember is dot com. Okay. Louisiana fishing trip, and that's
1: and, you're, my and you are have uh, this is not a, a, a you know a charter company. You actually take people out yourself. You are the charter company, right?
9: Yeah, yeah, I am, and I, and I've got and I do a lot of business, so I've got guys that work with me. But yeah, no, I'm I'm on the ground, okay. uh, you know, every day.
1: Let you go, okay, Shane. Thanks for the uh, stories. We much appreciate it. You're listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com to Listen to the show.
5: It's time to enjoy the biggest Southern California reservoir located in Hemet, just 90 minutes from Los Angeles and San Diego. Getting away from the summer heat, fall and winter bring ideal fishing weather, world-renowned for its black bass fishing, also home to the bluegill and red ear sunfish, rainbow trout, and both blue and channel catfish. Bring your boat or rent one of ours. Tell them John Hennigan sent you and they'll give you a special gift on California parks. Visit dvmarina.com. That's dvmarina.com.
6: 777 tuna
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John
1: Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we have with us, of course, our Coast Frank Selby and uh, Michael O'Brien from Michael O'Brien Charters, and I've been talking, I live in Santa Barbara, and uh, Michael was uh, formerly from Santa Barbara, uh, which we consider a beautiful place, but he decided he likes uh, Key West even better. Maybe you can That's give right, John. Us, maybe you can give us an idea why.
12: Well, actually, I live up the road a
15: teeny bit from Key West. I live on Summerlin Key, but I fished on the Marquesas Keys, which is 20 miles west of Key West, all the way up to Marathon, which is about an hour drive from Key West. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pretty big uh, body of water. It's all backcountry, fishing for permit, tarpon, and bone fit on fish on fly, mostly. And we have a year-round fishery here. You know, we can fish all year long.
1: Yeah, well, you don't have to worry about it freezing over, do you? Never. But does it get a little warm there in the summertime?
15: In the summer, it's hot and muggy, but not as hot as it is a lot of places in the country. Like, it really gets, you know, too far into the 90s. Well, um, you know,
1: everything is exposed. To, it's almost like, you know, it's on the water. So I would imagine that, you know, the Atlantic would kind of moderate the temperature somewhat.
15: Not like the Pacific. I mean, in the backcountry in September, I've seen water temps at 94 degrees. Whoa. Um, But, you know, we're still catching permit bonefish, baby tarpon. I mean, the fishing is insane from August, September, and October for bonefish and permit. Well, if you're
1: you're, you're into the 90s, you're probably talking billfish.
15: (laughs) Ah. fish that would be offshore, but see, the thing is, offshore, it's cooler. It's usually 80 degrees. It doesn't, you know, change very much when you're in the deeper water in the mm-hmm. Atlantic.
1: Right. Well, just give us an idea of uh, a typical day for uh, Shane when he takes somebody out on a charter with the uh, Adventure South Guide Service. Michael? I'm sorry. Yeah, I said. uh, Oh, you (laughs) said it. I'm sorry. Uh, No, no, no.
15: Captain Mike O'Brien. I was was having
1: having a sandwich. Yeah, I got (laughs) having a sandwich. I got confused. Michael O'Brien, Charters. Um, Give us uh, an idea if someone wants to come down and charter you about what your day is going to be like.
15: My busiest season is going to be tarpon season, you know, and that would be from late February, March. Through July, you know, with the peak being in mid-May, that's when the worm hatch happens. And uh, what we do is, well, if the weather's good. You know, like April and May for sure, we're rolling out early. You know, between six and seven, sometimes earlier. And uh, we're going to fish a solid eight-hour day, sometimes longer. Um, first thing in the morning, you know, you have tarpon rolling everywhere, and they eat really well. And then after that, um, so hopefully, you get a bite. You know, before the sun comes up. Then you know, once the sun comes up. You're seeing lots of fish, but you have to put the fly in front of them, which sounds kind of not too hard, but it's very difficult if you don't practice. You know, if you come like fishing one day a year, you know, you're probably not in good enough shape to get it done. But if you fish several days a year and maybe a couple, couple different trips, you know. Like anything, it's like a golf game. If you practice and if you can put the fly where it needs to be, you're going to have nice numbers of fish. Well,
1: is it – uh, give me a picture. Is it, uh, you know, sandy beaches that you're throwing from shore or what? Uh, how are you do No, no, this? no. We're
15: fishing – out. I have a Dolphin Super Skiff. It's a mm-hmm. 16-foot long technical polling boat. Pulling skiff it has a 74-stroke Yamaha on it. So, you know, it goes kind of fast. Not super fast, but pretty fast. And uh, I get up on the tower, and I pull the boat around. We're fishing over uh, the migratory tarpon come through. We're fishing a lot of lighter-colored bottom, you know, because we can see them. So sometimes it's white sand, but usually it's like a hard marl or a turtle grass bottom, and the fish swim up the beach. You know, sometimes there'll be one fish. Five minutes later, you'll see maybe 10, and then maybe you'll mm-hmm. see 100, and maybe a ball of 300. Well,
1: are, they in close, are they in close enough where you could throw a fly at them from the beach, or maybe Frank could, but most people can't?
15: You know, there are a couple spots you can fish off the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, but with me, you're in the boat, so you don't have to worry. Like, if the fish are a 100 feet from shore, we're there. If the fish are 300 feet from shore, we're there. You know, mm-hmm. but usually you're fishing for tarpon in four, three or four feet to, like, eight feet of water. That's pretty much depth for a site fishing tarpon, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's deeper, you're channel fishing, you know, throwing, like, live crabs or pinfish and drifting back, and you're anchored up, and you just wait for the bite. and that can be very effective, but on fly, you, you kind of need to see the fish and put the fly in front of them. Mm-hmm. But we fish over you know dark turtle grass bottom, which is a lot. It's like we have a spot called Green Acres in Key West, and it it's like a big cow, you know pasture of underwater grass, turtle grass, hmm. and like sometimes there's guppy hatches and everybody you like you'll see tarpon rolling. Um so we fish that and sometimes you're fishing over bright white sand and you see a school of a hundred, hundred pound tarpon come swimming up the beach at you. It's um it's pretty exciting. Um, it's kind of almost like an addiction. Somebody told me I'd get addicted to it 20 years ago, and you now I'm a guy and I do it every day, so I guess he was yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what I do, that's what I live for. I mean, I was just out on my bicycle fishing with a 10-core rod trying to get his baby car.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that, what is that? Bike have paddle wheels on it or what?
15: No, no, no. I was fishing in, like, just some little, like, spots you can get to on a bicycle, you know, like mm. like beachside, kind of creekside stuff. Yeah. Like urban fishing kind of underground, you know, like, mm-hmm. hard to get to spots. Um,
1: well, you know, the the Keys are... <laughs> I don't know. How far is it from... Well, I guess the Keys start about about 15, 20 miles south of Miami. Mm, I
15: think pretty much far... No, farther than that. Okay. Um, like... From Miami Airport, I don't know. Let's see, my I'd say about an hour. Okay. You know, because you have to drive down to um, Homestead and then you go through this thing called the 18 Mile Stretch, and then you hit the Keys.
1: Okay. Um, and uh, once once you get on the, you know, a lot of the Keys from from what I understand is uh, um, is, is raised uh, roads to get you from island to island. It's like you know, a network of bridges.
15: Lots and lots of bridges. There's hundreds and hundreds of islands When you drive down from, um, you know, from Key Largo to Key West, uh, you go several hundred bridges.
1: And uh, what's, what's the uh, distance on that?
15: It's 100 miles.
1: Whoa. Oh, it is 100 miles. Man, that's a, that does carry a lot of territory.
15: And the speed limit is basically 45. There's some 55 areas, but it's mostly 45. Um, and at night, even going through Big Pine, you have to go 35 because it's a key deer endangered species area. We have these little tiny deer called key deer, keys deer, um, keys and deer. Okay. they're protected. So, hmm. and now you have to go slow so you don't hit the little things. Yeah. But okay. it's a it's a beautiful drive. It just takes a while. You know, it's easier to fly to Key West. You know, um, but the drive I would say you need to do the drive at least once in your life because it's a really pretty drive
1: hmm And it's well, it's and it's yeah. just kind of dotted with islands that are connected with bridges.
15: That's it. The Keys are Keys, is just another name for island. Mm-hmm. You know, in Spanish, it's Cayo. Um, so yeah, there's hundreds and hundreds of islands. You know, like down in Newport Beach where Frank lives. You know, there's Salvo Island and Lido Island and all those fancy islands down there. Here, the islands are really pretty and a little more wild looking.
1: And a lot, and a lot smaller too, right?
15: Yeah. Most, well, no, Big Pine Island is massive. I mean, to drive to the end of one of the roads takes a solid 20 minutes from the highway mm. um, going 25 miles an hour.
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
15: <laughs> um, yeah. Some of the islands I live on Summerlin Key, it's a pretty big island, um, way bigger than Babo Island. You know, you can't walk around it, um, you know. Right. You could. I mean, you could. Might take a day or two, but yeah. um, So no, not all the Key West is two by four miles. So it has about twenty-five to thirty thousand year-round residents, and. Um, I've ridden my bike around the island, um, but yeah, it's a pretty big island. you know there's an airport on it. you know they fly um, 737s in. Oh wow. it's, a, it's a radical takeoff and landing, you know It's kind of like coming into John Wayne airport. Oh boy. It's like that only even even steeper because it's not a noise thing, it's a safety thing. The airport the uh, runways kind of short. Yeah. So, and you know, there's great fishing right around Key West. You can get in a boat and be in killer tarpon fishing in five minutes from Key West. Um, and it's that way all the way up the Keys. Sometimes I launch my boat in Key West. Sometimes I launch my boat on Stock Island. Sometimes, usually I put in at Cudjo Gardens, which is on Cudjo Key, and it's an old Florida-style small marina, really laid back. There's marking. Well,
1: Michael, nice. <coughs> um, tarpon has to be, you know, they can, one of the main target fish. Now, basically they're not, what are they, they're kind of like a carp. you got big scales, um, And, you you know, you wouldn't want to eat them, but you're not going to anyway. You don't kill them. They have no food uh, value,
15: John. Um, And they're just an awesome sport fish. You know, adult females are as big as 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, The average fish we're we're seeing, the big breeders are, you know, the 100 to 200-pound range. And these are big, big fish, prehistoric, and they live to be somewhere close to 80 years old.
8: Oh. Um,
15: And they're sexually dimorphic, so the females are bigger than the males. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, they're uh, they're very social fish Like I said, sometimes I see schools of 400, you know, big ball of them Or you see them swimming in a circle, daisy chaining, which is maybe a pre-spawning ritual Nobody's sure if it's defensive or it's a spawning thing Um, And that's a pretty cool thing You can cast at a daisy chain and hook several fish out of them if you put it in the right spot You Mm -hmm. know, and if they're hungry and everything
1: Well, of course, you know, tarpon, you know, they like to come out of the water
15: Oh, they jump like crazy. It's an explosion and a good fish hole. The bigger, big, big fish, over 150 pounds, might not jump as much, but 100 pounds and less, those fish are going to shoot out of the water, you know, 10 times maybe. Yeah. And, and shaking their gill plates, it actually makes a noise. Water flies everywhere. No. It's stunning. I mean, it's the most exciting thing in angling. I mean, tarpon are by far my favorite fish. Um, And, I I mean, I've made a lifetime kind of just targeting and chasing them and, you know, getting to know them. Mm -hmm. Um, Permit are cool, too. Permit are harder to catch, maybe because we have less shots at them. Um, They seem a little harder to feed. Well, I'll
1: tell you what, Michael. Um, We've got just a couple of minutes segment left after we finish up with you. Would you mind hanging around just for a few minutes? Yes, yeah, sure. Okay, well, you are listening to Fish Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com, and uh, you might want to check out while you're, you know, taking a break. Is is it tarponkeywest, West? Is that right? dot com. Tarpon West dot com.
15: Yeah, that's okay. my website. All right.
1: Okay, Michael, we'll be right back.
15: Oh.
0: Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with
1: John Henneken, This is John Hennigan and we, of course we have with us Frank Selby and uh, we have Shane Mayfield who's... Uh,
15: Michael O'Brien. Michael O'Brien. Jeez, Captain I it Mike O'Brien.
1: Captain Michael O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, now I'm looking at the sheet and i trying to eat my sandwich at the same time. But uh, yes, Michael, who's... He's, I live in Santa Barbara and he's uh, kind of a still a, a semi Santa Barbarian, but he's he certainly uh, uh, was raised here a little surfer dude from, from the Mesa, if anybody knows where that is. But uh, he's been having a great time moving to uh, Key West, Florida, and we've been finding out why he went there.
15: Yeah, you know, I came here for the fishing. My ex-wife um, brought me to Key West 20 years ago. She said She's from Kentucky. She said, Marco, you're going you're gonna to love Key West. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Michael, you know, next yeah. thing I know, Michael and Becky had a condo in Key West, and uh, I was fishing, you know, three weeks a year with a guide. And... Then uh, when my wife said Michael, I don't love you anymore, you should leave. I moved to Key West and I started fishing every day. Oh, I uh-huh. bought my Porsche, I bought a skiff, and I learned the water. And I've been doing that for ten years now. Yeah, there skiff you go. Every day running charters. So okay,
1: skiffes. what do I want? Do I want a wife or do I want a Porsche? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and go or, or go fishing. There was that, uh, Brad, Brad Paisley song starts. So he says, "You spend one more day, you spend one more day in the water, and I'm out of here." And then he refrain is, I'm going to miss her.
15: (laughs) 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 uh, I got uh, a nice girlfriend now, so I got everything. I don't need a Porsche (sighs) down here. I got a cool Jeep and a nice Skiff. Well,
1: I wouldn't think you need a whole lot of transportation down there because, you know, there's where you're going to go.
15: No, you need a car here. You know, you got to get around. you got to tow your boat. So you yeah, there you go. Rig. Yeah, You yeah. need a rig here. It's not that small. I mean, just, yeah. you know, drive around Key West, you know, go in the grocery store. If you live in Key West, it's possible to live without a car, yeah. you know, in Old Town Key West. But, it's you know, you need a million five to buy a house in, in Old Town Key West and, you know— and then you have to park your boat somewhere, and that costs four to six hundred a month. So mm-hmm. at some point, I live up the keys a little on a sleepy little key called Summerland. It's really nice. I have great neighbors. So I'm right by a bunch of. Great fishing areas, great tarpon. Well, I
1: would, I would, I would guess that uh, I remember my uh, visiting my brother in Hawaii one time, and of course, people when they first go there, they want to, you know, they want to buy a house with a view of the ocean. And he he goes, "Well, you can always tell the people that don't live here," he said, "because you see the ocean every day. Why do you want to spend an extra million dollars for that?" (laughs) (laughs) But I would imagine in Key West, uh, you know, you know, you've got a lot of a lot of homes that are on the sand.
15: Yeah, fabulous homes. It's not a lot of sand here. It's mostly like rock, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's limestone. It's we don't really have very many beaches. You know, the best beaches you get in your boat. You drive out to Marvin Key or Snipes, and you're on a, a beautiful white sandbar. Well,
1: <laughs> I have to have to ask you. I know that Key West is not known for its surfing, but you're a surfer dude. Do you ever get to uh, take advantage of that back there?
15: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we go out offshore and we surf the reef ten miles offshore. Just me and a couple of buddies. Um, sometimes it's overhead and perfect, you know, real long waves breaking off the reef, you know, yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Um, right. and then sometimes the wind blows hard out of the south, we can surf. But like, I just got back from three weeks of surfing in Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, so I surfed, and I was in Hawaii, the North Shore, so, okay. and I surfed in California. Um, at okay. least once a year. All right. And, it sounds um, like
1: you've got things pretty well figured out, Michael. But, I'm working, uh, on, next it. I'm time, working next, on it. Next time you get back into town, you know, come by and Frank and I will take you out someplace. But, uh, that would be
15: fun, John. Hi. I sure appreciate that. Okay.
1: All right, Michael O'Brien, Charters. Is TarponKeyWest.com. The website is TarponKeyWest.com. That's should be easy. All right. We appreciate everybody. Thank you, Frank. Uh, Thank you, Michael. And you are listening, Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to FishTalkRadio.com and listen to the show right on the front page.